Hello everyone and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 9. I'm Ryan Prasad and with me are my co-hosts Alan Ibrahim. Good evening friends and family. And Katie Marie. Howdy! We are here. We're, we're recording this. Uh, it's June when we're recording this. And like we're halfway through 2016. We're halfway through the trash fire that is 2016. And we have gathered <laughs> around the trash fire to talk about uh, games, movies, music, etc. That we've been enjoying or not enjoying. Uh, stuff that we want to talk about. Uh, and then in segment two we will be talking about V for Vendetta for our shared experience. Let's just get right to it. I know, Alan, I'm really excited to see what you have to talk about because I know you have finished Daredevil Season 2. Ugh. Unfortunately. <laughs> so you really liked it a lot. I think it's one of the best things that Marvel Studios has done so far. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. D- Dare- okay. I don't want you to dwell on why you think it sucked. Just uh, why... What made it not work for you? Well, yeah. So that's the thing is is the reason that I felt so strongly about it is that it only started to frustrate me in its back half. Like these Marvel TV shows that have been on Netflix, like this and Jessica Jones, uh, have had really, really strong first halves of seasons, and then they just decide to build into this weird overarching universe and incorporate stuff that it only works in comic books. Like, I don't want to see ninjas in my live-action, like, legal drama. That doesn't work for me. And the second half of Daredevil Season 2 introduces Elektra. It makes Mad Murdock a very horny boy uh, and adds a really unnecessary love triangle. It just leans into these tropes that I feel like, mm-hmm. although this is an adaptation of a comic book story, it had the potential to take that story and make it realistic and make it tangible the way that TV can be. And use the medium of television to tell a different type of story. Because if you tell me that ninjas are b- digging a hole in the middle of NYC and they're going to like summon some even evil demon out of it, I only that only makes sense in like a comic book or a clearly designated fantasy film. But if you try to tell mm-hmm. me that's in the same show, in the same season, where we had the Punisher in the first half, whose backstory and whose plot is clearly a like, clear allegory for the American... Uh, the problems with the American justice system and how we treat... Uh, PTSD victims and people who have come back from war and and don't aren't treated like human beings anymore, and also just like the liberal versus conservative discussions of like how we deal with prisoners and how we deal with criminals in the world. That stuff is in the same season as some fucking we threw a girl into a blood coffin. That's the this is the same show. What? Hold on. Okay. Yeah. What? Is, okay. Explain the blood coffin. The ninja. <laughs> Uh, which are the black hand, and there's also the chase, which are like the good ninjas, and you can tell they're uh, good because just... they're white. Oh, which is yeah, Ooh. it's real problematic. Uh, uh, just so you have this knowledge, whenever you, s- I am so deep in the Overwatch. Every time you say ninja, I just think of the robot Genji and Hanzo. Ninja. Yes, oh, yeah, just Genji. Hanzo's not a ninja. True. Oh yeah. Well, they are. But they're buds. Uh, I digress. They're all as dumb as Genji. At least Genji's cute and has like a cool backstory and like cool armor. Uh, but have you seen his butt? He's got like he a does. robo thong, and it really accentuates the cheeks. <laughs> there are no. I appreciate it at least. There's no ninja thong in Daredevil season two. That's my biggest problem with Aww. it. Really, 
No, the blood coffin. The, there's like two ninjas, and one of them they're like stealing blood from like young people all over the place and making them into undead zombie ninjas, and then they're putting what? that into a coffin, and then and then they put the person into that coffin, and I don't know what they're gonna do with it. Basically, the the main like, I don't want to again. I don't want to just be like this is garbage. The thing that bothered me the most, because yeah, like this a lot of the stuff, the way they handle Electra is fucked up and bad, and shows that they don't know what's good about that character, but also. The second half of Daredevil season two is clearly what telling makes us, Electra bad. Her whole character is that she is like really kind of like unhinged and has a lot of like clear mental problems that she she's trying she could be dealing with but she's choosing not to, and mm. it seems like they're leading to a plotline where she's going to accept like all right well I just like killing people and that's me that is what I choose to be like and that's fine, but and this is kind of like spoiling the sort of big thing of the season. They basically tell her, like, oh, no, it's not your fault. Like, you are just crazy because you're, like, you're an evil magic person. That explains why you're weird, not because you are in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really, uh, I, it, I, especially as someone who's read a decent amount of Daredevil comics, like, to see Elektra handled so sloppily and then just, like, thrown under the bus as, like, you're the ninja bad guy now. You're the leader of all the ninjas huh. uh, is is annoying and and to know that that stuff is going to be where the marvel tv universe is going from now on is like super discouraging yeah those shows have a like you said earlier but those shows have a habit of just going off the rails and never wanting to get back on them exactly and well see like daredevil left there like that back end of it like you mentioned left a bad taste in my mouth because i've always really liked daredevil since he's kind of like a street hero you know he's just like other aside from like his super hearing and stuff like that like he's just kind of a regular dude and he just fights other regular dudes on the street and even though he's like a marvel hero he's trying to help just this block in new york city like hell's kitchen isn't the entirety of new york city it's just a tiny little area in it um and so i think it takes away uh, for me like a lot of the realism and it kind of like was incredibly jarring to all of a sudden have this supernatural like (laughs) eastern ninja aspect thrown into it when the entire season i thought was going to be about punisher right and so it was like what 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 is this direction like why did it go this way also the, the the way that punisher's story wraps up and just being like oh maybe punisher was right and then just to, like, allow him to leave and, like, go on his own little mi- mysterious journey that they're going to figure out in his TV show, presumably. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, of course, because everyone has to have a show. Uh, but then, like, the other thing is is all of this ninja stuff gets back to the fact that I'm getting real, real tired of every representation of Asian characters in any television. Yeah. is just, like, trash. Like, leaning into the worst, laziest incorrect stereotypes of Asian people. Mm-hmm. Like, every Asian character on Daredevil is either... Like, there's a, literally a character... Madame Gao, if y'all know who I'm talking about. She, yeah. She's, like, met in this season underground on, like, a coke den that's run by, like, people that she's, she hired. And she's painting fucking, li- like, water lilies. Like, she's doing the, like, old Asian woman painting uh, flowers <laughs> thing. And she's Great. talking about, like, mysticism and this garbage. And I'm like, I just want a character, an Asian character that isn't that. I don't, I can't think of any. There aren't <laughs> enough good ones. And then, yeah, yeah it just... It, Very true. It just spirals into frustration. And it's, like, shame on the Daredevil people. Because, like, y- y- y'all have... S- there are good writers on that show. They have a lot of people who used to work on uh, Angel, which is one of my favorite shows. It's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff. 
Um, yes. That show is fantastic and has one of the best endings ever. And <laughs> apparently they don't know how to end this show because, I don't know, this season, <laughs> they didn't figure that out. Angel got better over time. Daredevil, Daredevil has been getting worse over time. And the way mm-hmm. that they, they bring back the Kingpin is kind of weird. And he's, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio is still great. Uh, but I don't know. I just I stopped caring. And I really, really don't want to watch a uh, whole season of The Defenders if it's going to be just like a bunch of people fighting ninjas again. Because I'm so tired of this yeah. shit. And this is me. Like, I'm not the person who usually gets tired of this shit. And even I notice right. this stuff. And I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> There's a... Uh, there's an article by uh, Arthur Chu called Not Your Asian Ninja, How the Marvel Cinematic Universe Keeps Failing Asian Americans. Uh, and it's a re- it gets into a lot of really good points about why the Electra stuff is bad and, and all of this like race bending that they're trying to do with the casting of the characters and how bad some of the stereotypes are. I recommend people seek that, that article out because it kind of gets at this, their problems with race better than I am right now, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I think... Daredevil suffers from the thing where it was like not all quote unquote representation is not racist, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like mm-hmm. just because you include another culture in your show doesn't mean that it's like not harmful. And I think that, you know, constantly like every time there's been an Asian person in Daredevil, it's been under the context of the Yakuza or like the heroin trade and all of this stuff where it's like drug trade and uh you know like gangs and even in it's Jessica, kind of exhausting even in Jessica Jones Asian characters has been used as punchlines right and that that gets again exhausting and i don't want to experience that for an entire season so yeah, that's that sounds like a bummer <laughs> It's a bummer. I recommend people watch basically up to like I think it's episode six, and then episode seven is where Electra gets in. Like watch the beginning of that, and then just assume that it gets it stays good like that, and don't <laughs> don't keep watching because fuck. Yeah. Anything else before we move on from Daredevil? Um, no, I think that's it. I I I don't know. Be more picky about the stuff that you want to watch, just because it's like the big new Netflix thing, which is kind of why I started that show. Uh, doesn't mean it's a hundred percent worth your time. Like you know develop your tastes and try to learn what you like and what you're willing to put up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching, I've been watching as a generous uh, phrase for this, but I watched a few episodes of the show called Quantico. Uh, and I started watching it because there was a short Mary Sue article that I actually took for another article, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was based. it took a quote. Somebody asked, uh, an Indian actress named uh, Priyanka Chopra, uh, if she would play a Bond girl, and she said, "Fuck that! I want to play Bond." And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and she's up uh, in the article. It says she's on this show called Quantico, which I've heard of, uh, being that I live like half an hour away from Quantico military base, uh, and I've seen like posters of it uh, in the metro in DC. Uh, but I didn't know that she was in it, and I didn't know that she was the lead actress. Uh, so I decided to check it out uh, because uh, lead Indian roles are not something that are like easy to come by. Uh, so I watched a few episodes, and I really wish this show was good. <laughs> I really... <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I didn't expect much because it was network television. 
and like say what you will about like i don't there's you can expect something from network television like in terms of tone that's not always the case i mean hannibal is like a prime example of a show that kind of breaks that mold uh but this show is definitely stereotypical network television and i'll get to what i mean by that later but um in terms of like actual content uh so the show is about uh this indian woman who does fbi training and uh basically it's told in like two different so there's a bunch of flash forwards and flashbacks um what the flashbacks are told uh when she is going through fbi training and the flash forwards are when she is accused by the government of blowing up a street corner um and so she is running from the fbi while also trying to prove her innocence by other means so it it goes and it goes between those two kind of uh plots the thing about the show is that a lot of the focus is in the fbi training and they the they make the two relate so like uh i think one episode was about locating a or no it was like finding evidence and then in the future the whole conceit of the episode was like oh they found evidence in uh this woman's room that points to her being the terrorist um so it's stuff like that the problem is the fbi training stuff is like they make it look like a college drama because it's all about like <laughs> oh. oh who's dating who and and here's the thing too that ruins the character development is that they want you to be suspicious of everybody on the show so they frame everybody in a like slightly negative way not like enough to be like oh maybe they have something going on and that completely kills the fact that this show tries to be diverse um so there's an indian lead uh there's a gay character there are a couple of muslim characters but like all of these people are framed as though like oh they could be a terrorist but you like you never know uh, and that really bothered me the only thing that i really found interesting was you know those moments where she's on the run and like looking for evidence to prove that she's innocent um, but even then it's not very interesting and there's just way too much fluff going on here and it's not very it's not very well written there's not really it's very slow and on top of that i guessed the identity of the terrorist within three episodes uh, well and after the third episode i went to the very last episode to make sure i was right and i was and I pre- like I predicted everything from the third episode. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, there's interesting ideas here, um, and those interesting ideas come up when it's too late. So, like, I I watched the last episode, and the ter- the terrorist turns out to be. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling the whole show, but <laughs> the terrorist <laughs> turns out to be like one of the leaders of the FBI training group or whatever. Um, he captures like one of uh the characters named alex uh, priyanka chopra's character she uh, he captures one of her friends um and it's just one of those 
scenes where like she's look they're like in corridors and the villain is yelling lines at the main character as she's looking for the villain and some of the things are just like you know you're a really good scapegoat because you love your country even though your country never loved you uh <laughs> and like just mm. stuff like that that was just, that like inch had an idea because like why in 2016 would a person of color have full respect of the fbi right uh, and stuff like that that just doesn't get explored and when it does get explored it's from the villain who is framed as this mastermind uh just like this evil mastermind that like planned this whole thing and he's obviously the villain and everything he says is nonsense even though there are good ideas there and i just wanted the show to explore those ideas and it just never got there it was really just focused on being this middle of the road show very typical like uh isn't like isn't all of this great? Isn't the FBI awesome? Isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Isn't government stuff cool? Without <laughs> critical analysis, and I just there is a world where this show is better, and it re- was really disappointing. Um, but also going back to the network television bit, uh, the presentation of the show's weird. So there are scenes, uh, and this is especially egregious in the pilot where uh, a scene would end, like characters would stop talking, but they would still be rolling the cameras and the characters would be moving somewhere else. So at the end of a scene, you just get like a fast forward and then a cut to the next scene. And it was just Um, so distracting. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why would... Why? Stop. (laughs) And this, this happens throughout the whole show, by the way. This happened at the very end of the... Uh, season as well uh and i'm really bad at film so i don't know the language Uh, i don't know what that is called but that's really distracting this is also one of those shows that goes out of its way to license music and inserts licensed music whenever it can and that's really distracting (laughs) just like oh we're gonna cut back the fbi training and this song that you've heard on the radio a bunch of times is playing in the background while these people are looking for bombs or whatever uh, yeah. do they play bangerang by skrillex they do not play that's skrillex. The, the traditional like cool ba song you know uh-huh no maybe i, I would have to look at that. a list <laughs> i would have to look at a list of licensed songs for this show uh it's kind of ridiculous how much there are uh but yeah i think that's all i have to say about that it's i would wish was better um it tries to do some stuff but it i i think it's way too caught up in uh being a network television show and trying to satisfy everybody by making a bland plot basically so can i yeah well that's always disappointing yeah um Network television is always fascinating to me because I haven't watched basically any of it since Lost ended in 2010. And even that was like a show that I liked despite it getting shooting itself in the foot repeatedly towards its back half because of the network restrictions. Um, But there is something just about that vibe of TV that just feels like they're trying to instead of make something interesting and like create art that just has something to say, they're instead just trying to appeal to everyone. 
Like, yeah. The music stuff, the weird stylistic decisions, the clearly what you're describing to us sounds like a, just a diversity checklist that they're trying to to knock out all of these things about. Kind of. It's, I feel like it's so conflicted about itself where they have all these characters and aspects of them are interesting, but when they come together, there's just nothing, there's nothing going on because the thing that's propelling them forward is this plot that's just boring and has nothing to do with their actual identities. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, um, I think it, it just sounds like another one of those shows that, like, swing and a miss kind of yeah. uh, there's gonna be a second season and i wish i hope that it would dig into some of the more like topics that i would want a show like this to do but i have a hard time believing that well i mean we'll see how it goes but yeah you can always hope mm-hmm. hope is all we got but yeah katie what do you have I have music to talk about. Ooh. It's actually not an anime. So oh, there we go. We're off brand. <laughs> and I know. What have I done? Um, <laughs> oddly enough, though, it seems like we have um, like partially negative experiences to all talk about uh, for this episode. But um, anyway, I wanted to talk about a musician. Um, her name is Poppy. Um, but like officially here her like I don't know what you would call it her like artist name is that poppy and um, is there any relation first... to that boy no oh, <laughs> I wish probably okay. um she um she's really interesting um because like my boyfriend he reads like know your meme all the time so he can be on the up and cutting of whatever up and coming like meme meme frontier (laughs) please please dig eli into a deeper hole (laughs) i will (laughs) meme frontiers a new podcast oh my gosh anyway um he was like hey caitlin when we were on the way to a vacation he was like you should um look up this one girl on YouTube because she's really weird, but I think that her aesthetic kind of fits what you like. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I did. And I just... The best way to describe... Okay, so Poppy makes videos in addition to, like, putting out music. She uploads a video maybe, like, once a week, roughly, um, of her and... uh, Somebody named Titanic Sinclair, like, works with her to um, produce them. And they're just weird. Like, it's basically what I, I feel like I'm being brainwashed when I watch these videos. If if brainwashing had a feeling, it would be like that. It has, like, weird music that's, like, futuristic and, like, ambient and stuff in the background. Um, with a sort of, like, 80s sound to it i don't like the beep boops it's strange and it's got like this desaturated pastel aesthetic she's a really pretty girl um i mean she's from nashville and she's only 15 i found out Hmm. which i was surprised Hmm. to even recognize that somebody born after 2000 can like function that's something I gotta like. Oh wait, <laughs> wait if people can't function, that's, that's a bad thing. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I just I feel like everybody. I don't know. It's weird to me that people are are younger. Anyway, no, yeah, I mean, especially with artists, like 
you, you like mu- in music especially uh p artists are getting younger and younger and you're just like what do you, how did you get there you were in yeah, middle school true. when you started george ezra who's like exactly now what the fuck halsey oh my gosh i didn't my know age. he was that young no, i think he's like 21 but he's very young and then yeah halsey is like 19 yeah. or something it's like ugh, come on please lord is only a few days older than me i thought you were gonna say she's only a few and days I'm like, old what? <laughs> no yeah she's just a few days old she is five days old I, everybody I <laughs> anyway that poppy's videos they're all strange she talks in a specific voice that's like um one of her videos she talks about um she tells you what a doge is and when she says that she just means like a dog in general and like to quote her she shows her dog and she's like this is wiggy wiggy is my personal favorite doge we love wiggy and then she kisses him but she talks like that and it's like always weird and she has this video where it's poppy loves politics and she goes like i love politics i like hillary clinton i like donald trump i like bernie sanders and she's like, politics are fun. And just like she keeps on going. And at the end of the video, she goes, the United States is perfect. And then like the audio like cuts and it's just her like staring at the camera for like 10 solid seconds. And- <laughs> Wait, that's kind of that's kind of dope. I'm watching it right now. That's like this is something. There's something to this. Right. And she, I'm, I'm not sure if it's like satire or whatever. And I was like, OK, this is strange. And then Eli was like, OK, listen to her music, though. Okay, she puts out bangers. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, my favorite song of hers is called Low Life. Um, and like, I don't know, it's really nice. It's got like this nice aesthetic. I showed it to my dad and he was like, this sounds like the police. And another song <laughs> Good called... dad poll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she has another song called Everybody Wants to Be Poppy. And it's very reminiscent to me of like the Runaways. Oh, wow. Um, Cool. So those two songs, I was like, wow, okay. So she actually like has some decent, like like she's very talented. On her own channel, she'll put put out like the um like acoustic versions of her songs. And then she has like the um professional ones and she has her own Vivo. She doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Hmm. So I went to like look exist. her up and stuff like that. Doesn't have a Wikipedia page. She puts out all these strange videos all the time. One of them is just her brushing her hair. Um, she has videos of her just reading the Bible. What? And she has a video where she says, I'm Poppy for 10 minutes straight. What? Um, and it's just like this. It's really strange to watch. And like I said, I feel like it's brainwashing just because of like the empty rooms, the strange aesthetic, the way she talks. <sighs> Here's sort of the part where I was like, oh, no. Okay, so I'm like, is this satire? Is she, like, is she just being weird? Um, because I've seen an interview with her where she, you know, discusses uh, things like a normal person and she refers to Poppy as a persona. Um, so I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. But I don't know what her act is and I don't know her angle. And, like, <sighs> I decided to listen to more of her music. And one of her songs is called American Kids. And she says, like, I don't want to be like American kids, whatever, whatever. I'm not on drugs and I never, I I don't do drugs and I never did, whatever. That kind of stuff. And then in one of the bridges, she says, boys aren't even boys anymore. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. (laughs) 
I I was like, hold on, hold on. Did I did I hear that right? And I'm like, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, I think it's time so for I think it's time for the alarm, Ryan. Is that, do you hear oh, it in the background? Do you hear that <laughs> clapping in the background? I think it says, is that problematic? <laughs> yes. So that, here's the like... thing that I love about this segment is that you got us so hyped on that poppy. I was so ready to be like, I'm going to check this person out and see what that poppy's all about. And now I'm just deflated. Yeah, I'm out. Exactly. That's how I was. I was like, oh, she's really cool. Like, she's so talented and whatever, whatever. Let me listen to the rest of her songs and all of them all the way through. So I'm 100% prepared to talk about her music on this podcast. (sighs) And then that line came up and I was like, no matter what you're talking about here, something is wrong. Like, she's either critiquing feminism or just like talking about gender identities and I'm just like, why? Why? Like, why did this have to happen? You were you had a cool brand and <laughs> like then this I didn't expect this. It's <sighs> real frustrating. And this this is just my like tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, I guess. All of this sounds like it is uh, she's a persona, she's be she's creating this persona to just gener- generate discussion. And even even that line is like Someone's going to get mad at that. And so we're going to mention her on a podcast. Like we are all buying into, into the cult of personality. That is that poppy, whether or not we hate her or whether or not we, we think she's interesting or weird, or we want to know about her, which happened in the, in the last five minutes, you talking about this. I'm like, Oh, she sounds so interesting. And then at the end I go, wait, no, now I hate her. Even the fact that I dislike her, her, that line means (laughs) that I'm thinking about this person. And like, that is really, that's like what a lot of uh, personality based culture has, has brought us to. That's like the end game of Kanye West's whole thing. Is like now we just have artists that that come up and they're just like I'm weird, and I'm and I'm gonna just be controversial and like that's gonna get the hits, that's gonna get the views. Right, and it makes me sad. But like I guess, but Kanye West is famous and he can say bullshit like Bill Cosby innocent. That poppy doesn't have anything to prove. <laughs> right, but I think True. that poppy is trying to get at that piece of pie. But like, what the thing? Sure. Of like, I want to also be talked about and, and have people take sides when it comes to my opinions. But like, mm-hmm. when you have such a strong, a weird persona like that, I don't even know what part is you anymore. Right. That's what I was saying. Well, to myself, at least. I was like, I don't know what she actually believes. Like, I don't Does know. Does she come back to that at all? No. It's just a single line in between. Um, it's like a like a distorted not even like a like creepy distorted it's just like a relatively like echoey line where she says boys aren't even boys anymore between like chorus and verse like it's not even in a verse or anything like that she just says that and it's not covered in the rest of the song none of her other songs are even like that so i was like where did this come from Mm -hmm. like yeah and just because mostly the American Kid song is about like drug use and how she what works for her isn't what works for her parents mm-hmm. and whatever whatever she ran away when she was younger to do her own thing and she does her own thing supposedly <sighs> so I just I don't I don't understand where the line is between her actual beliefs where like the satire begins where does the person start and poppy end like I just. <sighs> 
Yeah. I don't know is is my thing. So I'm like, is this something that she actually thinks? Because from my perspective, her music seems to be a little more serious than her YouTube channel and how she like posts on Twitter and stuff. Mm. So I'm like, is this what she actually thinks? And her other like self-made branding is some sort of show or satire or something. And then this is serious or is it still just a giant performance art piece? Because I, I do not know. And that bothers me. And I don't want to like, quote unquote, stand for somebody yeah. who's going to be like transphobic, contrasting, right? And like contrasting with my like personal beliefs and values because that's really important to me. I feel like if it's satire and if you don't know that it's satire, then it's not good satire. Exactly. If it's satire. Very, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Can I, I'm going to read just three little tweets from that Poppy's account that really tell a short story. Uh, first off, okay, first, let's, ready. let's dive deep. Yeah, we're really, we're trying to get to somewhere. <laughs> Poppy doesn't accept negativity and bullies into her world. Love is what we must spread. Well, then don't hate. write that line. Sorry, next, I interrupted. You're good. That was the whole tweet. You're yeah, good. All good. It said, not hate, I love you. Next next tweet. Candy is sweet, like you. And third tweet. Okay. Earth is the third planet from the sun, the densest planet in the solar system, the largest <laughs> planet that humans live on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's pretty good. Yeah. The largest planet that humans live on. Actually, I, that cut so off So there are weirdly, smaller so ones. I might have read the end of that wrong, but yeah. Well, it happens. Uh, can we? Okay. Before we end the segment, can we just say, can I say a thing about the world yeah. real quick? We've, <laughs> now, we've now dropped three, like, fairly harsh negative takes on things that are, you know, prescient to us. Okay. No, no. They're not harsh and negative. Like, we talked about what we wanted to see in these shows and why they didn't work. Or shows and music. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was hard. Adding to the trash fire. That's fair. That's all. There you go. That's all I. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Wait, that's it. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I thought there was another point. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. No more points to make. That's all I got. Maybe the real pop. Maybe that poppy is the friends we made along the way. Okay. Thank you for saying Um, that. I do. I do what I can. And with that, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Some. Stop coming and they don't stop coming. 
What a concept. I could use a little feel myself and we could all use a little change. Well, the start coming, they don't stop coming. Back to the rules and I'll hit the ground running. Did it make sense not to live for fun? The brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see, so what's wrong with taking the back streets? And we're back, and we're going to talk about V for Vendetta. Uh, Alan, you suggested this movie, so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? I did. Um, so V for Vendetta, it's actually an adaptation of a comic book by Alan Moore, who also did Watchmen and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, amongst other things, back in the 80s. Uh, and the film was it came out in 2005. Uh, James McTeague was the director, and he it's one of his first big films. And it stars Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman as a couple of rebellious British folk. Uh, I chose this film because uh, it's, you know, it's widely regarded as like a pretty important film for the time. And I just wanted to understand why, because I had read the I read the comic book last year and I'm going to be coming back to it a lot in this discussion in terms of like how it compares to the adaptation. But I think just getting right into it, the thing that the movie does is it captures a very specific time in American history in early 2000s, George Bush era, uh, fears of, of fascism and of, of technology and all of that stuff, but like filters it through a story that is inherently not American and that feels weirdly dishonest to me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, on a basic level, it's about this character V who's this like anarchist in England who is trying to blow up the London Parliament um, and is inspired by Guy Fox. Uh, a similar rebel yeah. from the 1500s and wears his mask. Uh, and a lot of people know the, the, the famous Guy Fox mask. And he recruits this woman, Evie, to kind of be his apprentice. And it's their relationship as and also the, the interworkings of the police trying to figure out who V is and why uh, he's doing what he is, he's doing. Um, what, did, what, did you, what did y'all think of this movie? Uh, I want Katie to go first. Okay. So I had actually never seen this movie before watching it for the podcast. Oh, yeah, me neither. I don't um, think any of us have seen yeah. it, right? Nope. Well, that's interesting because, like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a cultural thing where, like, everybody understands it except for me because, like, I hadn't watched it yet or anything, even though, like, all of the, um, I guess, references were around me for years. Right. Like, yeah. I used to be really interested in, like, what Anonymous was doing, you know, the hacker group i don't know what you would call them like activists quote unquote Hacktivists. anyway yeah thank you thank you wow look at that um, anyway um they use the guy fox mask and they play with the similar idea like we don't we aren't people we're an idea that's why our logo has a dude with no head and we don't have a leader and blah 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 anyway um I guess what I hate most 
about the movie. <laughs> yes. Is that, yes, Katie. <laughs> is that it's it's used as a champion for like men's rights activists and just stuff, which honestly seems really backwards to me. I don't know. I don't know. I can get into it later, but it's kind of like why this? Why this guy? Mm-hmm. And like, because if you notice, he has like the hat and, you know, is all prim and proper and talks all fancy. Like he's constantly speaking in poetry and it's like, will you dance with me? And like being the whole, you know, how neckbeards kind of, I hate to say the word neckbeard. I'm sorry. But you know how they, they shape their personality to be like milady and, you know, totally <laughs> that type of stuff. It's just that's the entire vibe I got from this guy and I guess that's been tainted you know from my experiences as an AFAB person Mm -hmm. um it's like (sighs) it kind of sucks to see where I imagine this this sort of culture originated from or where all these people drew their inspiration from to kind of act like you know what I mean yeah (sighs) it's disappointing and I guess what I don't understand is I'm like, I I don't see why they picked him because or V or whatever, because he's like essentially advocating for, you know, LGBT people and even Muslims in a sense, even though that's not really like uh, focused on mm-hmm. uh, too much. But, you know, they're kind of saying like Muslims are the scapegoats and LGBT people are oppressed and persecuted and tortured and killed Uh and it's like the only mention of like atheism was at the very beginning where they said america is this way because of godlessness right and i mean even though there's no real there's not really an aspect to the film that's like anti-women i suppose at least from my perspective i didn't really see that too much so i'm like why is he why is he the mold for you then because Mm -hmm. like you're leaving out all these aspects of what V was supposed to be and taking that to suit your needs. And now you're going to like talk like him and dress like him and do all this stuff. Right. And I don't understand why that's a cultural staple. I'm, I'm sorry if I seem like rambling or something, that's but I okay. just like can't process it. So and I'm like, why? So the thing for me about this movie, I think this movie is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, because it is both completely uh, in, in the context of 2016 it is both completely relevant and completely irrelevant at the exact same time. Right, exactly. I very much had that same reaction. Uh, so V is like this. He's he's Batman, basically. He just <laughs> goes around and just like, just, you know, he is the savior of, well, I mean, Batman has a lot of, like, I shouldn't have used Batman, but. He's just going around, and he is the savior of this town. And the 30 minutes in, I'm like, I do a quick gutchet. I'm like, how many people of color are in this movie? And it's like, none. Mm, so it's like, yeah, a couple my extras. This, my problem with this movie is that it's all about V, and it's never about the people that are supposedly marginalized. The people that he's supposed to be saving and supposed to be working for. Are the people that are on the fringes of society and that do not fit into the mold of uh, straight whiteness and all of that stuff. And he's just a dude and we focus on him as opposed to those characters who we never even see. 
the the movie right, like, but the movie attempts to do that with all the shots of them watching like the television but it's never like we never get to see you know what does what does it mean to be black in this country what does it mean I mean, we get a little bit of like what does it mean to be gay with uh that uh little side plot there uh but very rarely in this movie do we ever get to actually see the effects that this government has on its people and for me uh the fact that this movie is about rebelling against an oppressive government uh, while at the same time this movie doesn't want to touch race with a 10-foot pole is absurd. Um, and so, yeah, I just I just keep going back to that every time I think about this movie. Uh, and, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, this movie was acceptable, uh, but... In 2016, where we are facing a lot of of these same problems of like fascism is in these days, um, <sighs> this movie just doesn't like it's it's too white for its own good, and it doesn't actually say anything meaningful because of it. Like, I very much agree because, like I mentioned earlier about. Muslim people, you know, being oppressed in this society because it's definitely hinted at and that, you know, but the dude gets the killed for having person, a Quran, the one, but he's a white yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. It's right. Stephen Fry's character. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? That just feels like appropriation. I don't understand. He's like, I have all of the cultures right. in my basement and I know I'm right. so bad for keeping all these things, but I just love the Quran and you're like, you can't, ah, uh, you can do that, but that's oh. not like just, ah. Uh. I I very much think that I'm like okay so where are these Muslim people who have it so hard like I I mean I don't want to like see people suffering but like it it doesn't have the same impact and it's like just a white dude with a Quran and he's you know obviously not facing that same oppression and it just feels kind of empty in that regard and it's like you tried but did you and also um I was about, I was going to think like, oh, it's because like all the people of color were like kicked out of the country or whatever. But then at the end of the movie, they have the huge crowd of people and there are people of color in that crowd. And I'm just like, where are you? Where were you this whole movie? Why wasn't this a movie about you? Why was it just about the white savior who went and did all of this stuff and I don't know how he was this knowledgeable about how the police force in this country behaved um where is he getting his intel from yeah and like uh just the idea of just like oh this guy we didn't we didn't know him but you know he spoke for all of us and the thing is like for an actual revolution to occur a group of people need to get together and fight. It doesn't happen with one dude who owns a billion books <laughs> and somehow knows the <laughs> ins and outs of the police. That just doesn't happen. That's why I'm comparing it to Batman because there's just all these things that are impossible to happen on paper. And you're selling me this as like, oh, this is the story that will show you, you know, when you need to rebel against the government, this is how it happens. Like, no. There are... I guess... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, okay. So, another thing, like, you're saying the um, police thing doesn't make sense to you. 
I never really fully grasped the whole like experimentation thing and like what happened to V. Right. I I don't I don't get it. Like I don't know what happened in that either. Is he superhuman? Is he just some burned up dude? Like what what? The way, like Alan, is that this. a superhero subplot? Alan. Yeah, the, yeah, just to speak to as someone who again has read the comic, like the I think the general gist of that was that he was part of the group of people that were taken to Lark Hill, which is a mental asylum that uh is the site of where they they basically created a virus that they would use to blame other countries for all the ills of the world and get a person elected to supreme chancellor. Um so he was part of those experiments and that might be in part why yeah he has the ability to to he's like got superhuman strength and all of this like really he's got he knows karate and all this nonsense and knows how to throw knives really well i guess but the three <laughs> sort of like tent poles of what i think this movie's trying to say cuz i actually disagree with what you were saying earlier Ryan which is that this movie has nothing to say i think what it has to say is just really basic and especially in a 2016 no uh, yeah that's that's what i meant yeah in a 2016 yeah. environment it's like really we're like your three tent poles are like Hey, here's it's a really weird how we treat the mentally ill. Chemical warfare is bad and like maybe uh homosexuals are people too. You're like, "Wait, really? That's what we were worried about?" Cuz like this came out in 05 and again, very much a Bush era kind of critique. And I have recently gone back and like watched some old like Saturday Night Lives from that time and that show is another good way to like see what people cared about. And there were like a lot of really bad gay jokes. But, like, the thing was that they were trying to figure out, like, how do we talk about this stuff? Because we're not trying to make fun of them. We're just trying to, like, say something. We don't know what we're trying to say yet. And that's what a lot of the stuff in this movie felt like was they're trying to make the point. Like, oh, the the biggest sin of this film is that it sacrifices trying to say something for action and, like, really lazy action. And that's like, oh man, we could talk about the action yeah. scenes in this movie. Because <laughs> James McTeague, he was like one of the unit directors on The Matrix, I believe, like one of the best action films of all time. Hey, hey, do you want? Do you also want to know what he was uh, assistant director of? What else? Let's hear it. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. There you go. Well, there you <laughs> so go. That, that really gets to his soul, whole his like action <laughs> aesthetic, I guess. Um. But, every- but it's like, but the Wachowski sisters did uh, screenplay for this. And I, like, every time I saw an action sequence, well, not like when I was watching, but knowing that they wrote the script for this, I was just like, man, these action sequences would look so much better if they just did it. Exactly. If they, if they could have just directed yeah. it. And, and his, his directing touch is so lazy. Like, the best thing I, th- I would say about the way this movie looks is that it is really well lit. Like, a lot of the stuff with the government shadowy organizations is framed in right. really well. But, like, all the action scenes are just, like, boring and just, like, hey, watch this one guy kill ten dudes. And to get at my point of, like, this movie sacrifices making a point for action and, and coolness, which is, like, the most American thing about it, uh, there's that line that, that is so awkward to me to hear now, which is V saying, like, I don't want to be afraid of the government. The government should be afraid of me. Like, that is the most movie trailer ass, 2005 ass, like, awkward, what are you even trying to make a point about here line I've ever heard. And that line is supposed to get you riled up. Like, everything he says to to, to Evie, uh, Natalie Portman's character, is supposed to be like, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe he's saying this stuff. And even though he's talking about England, he's really talking about us. Like, we, he's he's the person that we need to listen to. And, like, that gets at the thing that's ultimately the most frustrating about this movie which is that people have misinterpreted this message and taken it into the worst corners of the internet and the worst parts of society 
have taken the message of E and misunderstood it and warped it into this like completely wrong uh, ideal. Have they misunderstood it though? I think so because again, the like I think that V's message is supposed to be that like there are people who are being ignored in society and being treated unfairly and being hurt, and we should you know try to strive for try to strive for something different and try to strive try ugh, try to strive for a clean anarchy. And that's again like I'll get into at some point the stuff that is handled way better in the comics, but like this movie just doesn't suggest a clear end goal for what he's trying to do. But for me, V does this all himself. And for me, I read it as just like, oh, of course these internet people pick this up from this because V is putting this all on himself and he is speaking for all of these groups of people he doesn't actually know. And he's using all of these means to bring down a larger system when really he doesn't really have an understanding of all of these people that he claims that are oppressed. And so for me, this like self-fulfilling, just like I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to start this myself is so indicative of the behavior of anonymous and those types of groups. Every online hate group, your gamer gates, your anonymous, your everything. Yeah. Man, yeah. It's all there. Ah. <sighs> Meninists. <laughs> yes, <laughs> MRAs and all of those. People who think that the system is inherently broken and the only way to fix it is to break it, which is like the least productive thing you can do <laughs> as a member of society is to just try to tear things down instead of try to build something better. Like this movie goes directly against the way that I envision how to make, how to improve the world. And that's why it like bothers, its political message bothers me to my core. And I'm just also very like not into the idea of anarchy. Um, but I realize that the world is fucked up and like there are things that we can do to fix it, but not by being V, not by blowing things up. Like, why does he want to blow up parliament to send a message? What is a message that we can blow things up? It's just a building. I don't know. It's That narrative would be better suited for a narrative about people of color and systematic oppression. If this movie was done today, that's what it would be. And the- no, they were never. They're never going to make a movie like that because it's Hollywood. I know. That's, like, this movie will never exist. That's why it's fascinating that to see this movie in 2016, to be like, holy shit, this got made. Um, can I talk about... But what- it's not, because they're all white. It's not fascinating that it was made. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels really contradictory to me, I guess, because, like, I don't know. The angle of, like, the whole um, people rising up against the government is typically a narrative against, like... Um, like socialism or communism or something like that. But this form of gov- government was very conservative and very mm-hmm. religious. And so, like, I guess that that was very different um, for me. And, like, the values that they have that the people were, like, supposedly trying to get. I don't know. Does that make sense with what I'm saying? Because it seems backwards to me because it's like you think that whenever I see like, you know, power to the people, we're going to the people are going to change the government. It's typically like a right wing idea. But this government they were writing against was a right wing government. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it is contradictory. Yeah. Also, it reminds me of like Donald Trump. I'm just going to throw that out there. That is, there is, there is totally, oh, excuse me. There is echoes of that in it, though, which I, I think is interesting. And getting to the point that I was originally going to make, which is like how this differs from the comic, 
I don't know if I would universally recommend the book to people because it's really long. Uh, or it's like, you know, it's 10 issues, but it is at least confident in what it's trying to be. It's not trying to like overreach and be contradictory. It is exactly what it wants to be. Even if I don't agree with everything Alan Moore has to say, I think his political views are a little bit, um, they're difficult, <laughs> but the, the V for Vendetta comic is about, uh, Margaret Thatcher's England and how that was going to like directly lead straight to fascism and, and how, you know, there is no talk of people of color in that book because Alan Moore doesn't write like people of color ever at all. He just doesn't do that. Not very well, at least. So like, I don't know the, the stuff that, that is different is mostly like, Oh, they tried to Americanize the fuck out of this. So the chancellor who is, I actually think is a good, a bit, good bit of ironic casting because he's played by John Hurt in this film, the chancellor being the sort of like main bad guy. Uh, and he, you, Ryan, described this to me as like someone, some like white dude watched 1984 and thought that like that they just based all their political views on that. Yeah, well, the way the <laughs> chancellor is framed in the big screen is yeah. just like that Apple yeah. commercial where it's the Big Brother, and it's right. like, wow, really? I, I so <laughs> like this is way too on the nose. Well, the fun irony of that is like, that sorry that John Hurt plays the rebel in 1984, the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, like the the main character. Wow. Uh, Funny how how nature do that. I thought that was cute, but like, uh, there's you're talking about like the you mentioned how they don't bring up a lot of stuff that would have made more sense for V's political message, and like the comic frames the chancellor as a character who's struggling with his own identity, and the way that he lashes out and the way that he tries to identify himself is by just like hurting other people because Adam's name in the in the story, in the in the film is Adam Sutler, which is a pretty generic white guy name. Adam's name in the book is Adam Susan. So he's very much framed as this like character who may or may not be genderqueer in the way that he like communicates with other people. And like when he's by himself, he gets to present as my, however he wants. And like, he also fucks a computer. Cause the whole idea, <laughs> I'm not kidding. What he like, like intercourse with the computer he wants to, at least uh, the computer okay. is the thing that monitors like the whole society. And, when he turns the monitors off and says like, all right, good job, everyone. Good all. And then he like gets to be, gets to be himself and gets to be the, the other half of his personality. He like really loves this computer and wants to like be a part of it. And you're like, Oh, they're, they're trying to say something about like, I don't know this character's gender and how they present, but like, it doesn't go anywhere again. <laughs> so that feels like in line with the same with the movie. Um, and then I forget. Oh yeah. The other main difference that I picked up on was that Evie's character who we haven't really talked a lot about. Um, is actually a sex worker in the comic, which they definitely wouldn't have attempted to handle that in this movie because they would have done it real wrong. She's she's also Does the book do it well. They don't do it badly. They do okay. bring it up like it is a point. And we mentioned how v, the problem with V is that he is clearly like not the victim of the oppression that he's striving to fix. But like Evie right. as a sex worker very much is one of those characters and like the way that we discriminate against sex workers and all of that stuff. And young people who have to work to survive. Um, that is the character of Evie in the comics. And I think that stuff works a lot better. But the rest of it is a pretty straight adaptation. Like the whole uh, him faking her jail sentence. And then the letter from the imaginary oh, person. God. We didn't even talk about that yet. I really. That scene still skeeves me the hell out. As, even as soon as I know where it's going. Did y'all. You believed it the whole yeah. time right? You didn't think. Yeah. You yeah. I totally believed it. I thought she was caught by the people and i actually thought she was going to die the, like i thought she was gonna get taken out and shot or at least rescued by v at the last second 
the clever thing I thought about Sirene, the thing about how they did it was they introduced that like her the way her parents were taken from her was that that she hid under her bed and then they were like bagged and taken away and she never oh, saw God. them again. And then the way that uh, Stephen Fry's character is taken is exactly the same, like framed the same way. Yeah. So I was like, like oh, hi, DV. Oh, they know how her past went, and they're just oh the fucking it. V and the fire, and then Evie with the rain. I was like, "Fuck uh, off, movie!" And then they cut back to V and the fire, just just so you make sure that this is a parallel here. Oh my god! Yeah, like they, at least they let us know. <laughs> yeah, in case you weren't sure. Hey, hey, audience, are you dumb? Just here, here's just cut back to this. Make sure you get the point. Every time there was a fucking V in this goddamn movie, <laughs> I was just like, someone somewhere is just like, do you get it? Do you get a V? V. Do you get it? Vendetta. I'm like, oh my v god, for Vendetta. And, you know, he has that speech at the like beginning where he, you know, uses the V alliteration. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, V. Stop. His name is V. E-V. <laughs> V's. Uh, oh, and then so the stuff on, on the, the um, window. <laughs> this whole movie's on the nose. Uh, not the mirror, the mirror. So. They have to basically just straight up say, like, hey, the reason we're doing the fire and rain thing is to also, like, <laughs> history repeats itself. And But that just means that, like, Guy Fox also fucked up. So are we just going to fuck up? Is everything hopeless? Is that what the movie's trying to say? <laughs> the movie's not trying to say that Guy Fox fucked up, though. How did you're saying Guy Fox succeeded because he even though he failed to blow up uh, Parliament? He didn't fail. Didn't he get caught? Well, I mean. Oh, sorry. Evie... I, I thought we were talking about V. No, here. Guy Fox, the person from the 1500s, <laughs> gets. Oh, I thought we were talking about guy... V too. What the heck? Okay. Guy Fox is the guy from the 1500s who is the original like, yeah, inspiration yeah, yeah. for the mask, and he gets he fails and gets executed. Um. So the right. idea is like the the cynical view is oh if he if he messed up then everyone's gonna mess up and and being trying to create anarchy is impossible, but his whole thing was also that he stopped being a person and became an idea, which is what V wanted and which is what Evie wants, and which is why the worst dumbest final scene of all time happens, where <laughs> everyone just has masks. We're all masked people now. We're all Batman. <laughs> but then they take them off. And then they're the people who died. Those are the dead characters. I know. Okay, why? Okay, I get. I don't know. Is anyone else frustrated that you never saw V's face? What's there to see? He's just an idea, Katie. Uh, well, I thought he might have been, you know, like no eyes, burnt man. I want to see. I want to see what he looks like. I would have looked after he died. Just saying. It's a quick peek. It's just... I would have popped that mask off. <laughs> it's just, it's just fucking Deadpool. <laughs> That's what I expected, right? That's what I thought he looked like. Except for with no eyes, I just want to know what he what he is because, like I said, the experimentation like confused me. So yeah. I want to know like what is this creature like? And I say creature because like obviously he's got like, superhuman man. tendencies, and like you saw his hands. I'm not gonna lie, I thought he was wearing like oven mitts. I thought they were like pink. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, working in the oven. Flowers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, these are some nice oven mitts. And then she goes, oh, your hands. And I was like, hands? And I actually had to roll it back. And I was like, oh. Those pink goops are Those... hands. I thought they were oven mitts. Uh, I wanted to talk about that uh, fake prison scene again. I thought you were going to say, I want to talk about Deadpool. I was like, can I leave the call? What? 
no, I would never put anyone through that. Um, that prison scene is the worst because to me, the best scene in the movie happens, which is like the backstory with uh, that woman and her girlfriend and all that stuff. Valerie. Because it's the one time in the movie where you see the people who are actually oppressed. And uh, she leaves the jail and it turns out to be fake, but all the girl was real. But even like by that point, like all of the momentum of that moment was just crushed for me. Well, no, her story was real. It was real, but by the time it explained that the story was real, I'm like, oh, great. Like, I stopped caring by that point because it was like, well, this is some dumb bullshit. Like, why would you put someone through this traumatic shit? Uh, yeah, I didn't really get that either. And then have this one truth be there. And it's convenient because, you know, uh, it was the only part of that whole thing that was good. I, I just didn't get that he had a whole jail <laughs> in the back of his house. That's like... Yeah, same. Ugh. Um, There's a lot of things Like, what I kind of preparation... Get. You could say that about all of his actions in this movie. Uh, that's true. It's like, why? How? How, How do you have that did time? you do this? Yeah. Can we talk about the action scenes in this movie? Sure. God damn it. I was ready to be, like, wowed by the cinematography. No. Because, you know, at the opening scene, it's got, like, the really small light with Guy Fox or whatever. And Can I, was I like, just laugh in the corner over here? Go right ahead. Feel free. But I was like, hey, this kind of reminds me of Metropolis. Because there's, like scenes in metropolis that like very much have like the small lighting and like a bunch of darkness and i was like ah i'm ready to be wowed and then you know the action scenes happen and i was like is this real (laughs) like we went from that to this you know that song that's in like every action movie uh the in those types of scenes that's like i can't actually do it with my voice (laughs) (laughs) it feels like that I'm sorry. You know, that classic song. Yeah. If you really listen for if you think about it, you can probably, if, you, if you've seen enough action films, you'll know the thing I'm talking about. It felt like that type of tone for these action scenes. And it's like, why do I need to know yeah. that V is a badass? Like, why, why is that germane to me seeing this film? Why do I need to watch him beat up 10 cops? That's not, that doesn't contribute to anything. That just feels like this, it's time for action. Okay, but like the motion lines on his knives. Yeah, yeah. that Can final we talk scene. About yeah, that he throws the knives and they're just CG. And then... the last fight scene is yes. fucking incredible. It's so it really bad. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Ryan, can you read the? Tri- do you have the trivia up for? Why I do that's... not, but I will paraphrase it. So the last fight scene was shot in sixty <laughs> frames per second. And what they did was they had all of the soldiers, the dudes like V was fighting, they had a move in slow motion. And then they had the actor who did V uh, move in just regular speed. And man, it showed. Because <laughs> I'm just like, no, no, it didn't show. I'm just like, V is like slicing these dudes, but it looks like he's slicing ketchup off of their vests. Uh, my god yeah and it's just oh it it looks like something i would make in my backyard ah i don't know it was awful but also hilarious the fact i they're just they're so i i really honestly the the best description of these action scenes felt like they hit a running time where they got they ran out of time to have just like a bunch of white men in a room talking to each other and they're like oh shit we got to do action uh all right he's in a police station i don't know and then he just has a lot of knives 
and there's cops everywhere. Now he's in the sewers. Like those felt like Mortal Kombat stages or something, where it just felt like <laughs> there's time for action, and it is now, and we need at least twenty whatever five minutes of it, and it's bad. Ugh. And again, that's like you don't have to do that in a comic because that's not how comic storytelling works. Um, but it's a fucking action movie. It's a big budget action movie that has nothing to say, and it's hollow and sad to see it in 2016 because this is a movie that people thought was relevant. What do we think of Evie as a character? She's fine. I kind of like her. Okay. I don't like what happens to her. I think it's awful. Literally everything. Like I don't like I that don't she know. buys into these. Yeah, stuff. that's that's why she's fine. Yeah, and not good. I guess I don't. Yeah. That's kind of the problem I had because I. <sighs> I guess, like from my perspective, it's like what makes V's propaganda any different from the Chancellor's propaganda? Right. Because hmm. his whole thing is like I. I guess that's the irony of it, though, right? Is like he's winning people over with sweet words and lies and destruction overseas. And V's winning people over with sweet words and lies and destruction here. <laughs> That's like the, the fundamental difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think... Because if you notice, like, I, he doesn't really say, like, hey, I'm going to help the gays. I'm going to help the Muslims. Like, he never really... No. Even touches on that anyway. Like, even no. though that's an aspect of, like, what is wrong with the society and stuff that, like, people are like, eh, hey, this sucks. He's never, like, telling people that that's what he's trying to do. So, like, how how do we even know that that... I don't know. Yeah, and it the just pe- feels and empty. The, the people who are watching TV just fall in love with him instantly without really knowing what his deal is. Yeah. Oh, and the scene where the little girl who's watching the TV gets the mask in the mail and then she runs outside and then gets <sighs> killed. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, and now watch what's going to happen. And then the guy who kills her gets killed by a mob. And you're like, oh, oh, this is lazy. This is so lazy. Yeah. I also don't like when stuff is kind of like done for shock value, I suppose. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And like, it, to, for me, it felt like killing the girl was like d- just total shock value. Like, I don't know. It bothered me. I, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I hate watching child death like in general yeah mm-hmm. so just like seeing it be like well look look what happens the kid died and blah, blah, blah. i don't know i was like mm. you could have done that better you could have taken a different angle yeah just comparing anything in this movie the to real life and how reality actually works makes the whole thing fall apart yeah the ultimate thing that's the most frustrating about V for Vendetta is that it it attempts to say something about our world, but it's in no way resembles our world. Um, it is a world that does not exist, even in 2005. Uh, people should read the comic, though. I think that it is a much more cohesive version of this tale that has it's it's not trying to say like it's not trying to be false in any way. It's very genuine. You know. Um... I actually thought it was really funny because I didn't know it was the same guy who had done The Watchmen or whatever. Yep. Um, but, like, as soon as the thing started, like, I saw it was DC and I thought in my head, hey, it's funny how, you know, DC offshoots like The Watchmen and this tend to be more interesting to me than the actual DC thing. Then it comes, I didn't know until now that basically it was the same dude who made The Watchmen in V for Vendetta. So I was like, that's really interesting. And... I can definitely see the similarities <clears throat> because I was thinking that they were relatively similar while I was watching it. 
Alan Moore is so fascinating yeah. to me because he is like known for discrediting and completely trying to ignore the existence of all adaptations of his work. And like, I've started to notice at least with Watchmen and with V for Vendetta, both of those adaptations like miss the point and try to make it more about action and like try and make it more about yep. something that is not accurate. Like he, uh, I had a quote from him somewhere in here, but basically, yeah, Alan Moore was just like, y'all took this story that was about fascism versus, uh, liberalism and made it neoconservatism versus neoliberalism in an American, uh, but clearly written by an American team. You're, you missed the whole point. Uh, and I just, yeah, normally I disagree with Alan Moore, uh, Alan Moore. And I think like he is a little bit overly sensitive about how his work is adapted, but this is not how you adapt a work like that. This is a embarrassment. And all of the 1984 parallels you know, were so just... So many. Ridiculous. Yeah. She's in the prison and then the rat shows up in a hole. Uh, and then the torture ends when she is rid of fear. And that's when she knows that she's free. Ugh. Just... All the TVs everywhere that are somehow just constantly being broadcast. You know, the um inspector puts up the little like bug blocker thing it was very much just like hey high school kids you read this (laughs) this is a film i would have really enjoyed and really been like wow interesting in yeah like early high school or middle school even yeah middle school for me definitely because that's when i was like wow anonymous is a thing what are they and so you oh, know. they're anonymous. Oh, garbage? Okay, never mind. And then you grow up. <laughs> no, they're anonymous. Oh, I'm sorry. They're anonymous. They're not garbage. Ugh, uh-huh. ugh, ugh. They're anonymous garbage. Ooh. Follow my Tumblr. <laughs> Anonymousgarbage.tumblr.com <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts before we move on? He just wants to... I expect it he better. He just wants to dance with Evie, y'all. Oh, they just want to dance. What is a revolution Bruh. without a dance? Okay, and then it was like, <laughs> Ryan, you posted that on Twitter, the um, Netflix thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got to get into that real briefly, yeah. I need to read it. I need to read it. Hold on. Let me track this Netflix's down summary, at least on Ryan's end, was like the most missed the whole fucking point. <laughs> I know. It's like they specifically say that's not the thing because, you know, Evie calls him Edmond Dante because, you know, he... He cared more about vengeance than he cared about her. Uh, The description on Netflix reads, He has a strong message for the government. Sending it is all he ever cared about. Until she came along. (laughs) Like, that is, like, objectively not true. That is, you didn't watch, (laughs) that person didn't watch the movie. They didn't watch it at all. They, like, saw the cover, I think. Exactly. Because she's like, hey, don't do this. And he's like, nope, gonna do it. And then, like, <laughs> did you not? Did you not watch this? Because literally, it's not oh, even a romance. But how good would a version of this movie be if it was some sad white guy who just fell in love with some girl and just forgot about the revolution he wanted to start? Evie, Evie it just the... leaves all those people in the front of the parliament. Yeah. Nothing blows up, and then they all die. Like Evie, the virus—it's all fake. I did it for you. I did it all for you, Evie. <laughs> We're going to go to France oh together. I love you, Evie. Ugh, no, no. <laughs> go away. Uh, I guess I'll say uh, if you're doing a movie about people having a revolution, put some goddamn people of color in it. 
At least not, if you're going to be relevant. Yeah. God. If you're going to do a movie about oppression, at least include the oppressed people. Yes. Because why would you not? I don't. I guess I can't process that that didn't exist. Yeah. Is that it? That's my opinion. <laughs> All <laughs> right. We got a question <gasps> this episode. This episode comes from this episode. This episode comes from <laughs> Skype. <laughs> this question comes from M. Uh, they say, in all caps, I should add, when are you gonna do a book? Tomorrow. Thoughts. Tomorrow. Discuss. Okay. It'll be on What's it. what it's about. It'll be on Amazon. It's about uh, navigating the space of going to college uh, as the son of immigrants and and understanding how little uh, Middle Eastern people are represented in American media and what that means about the world. Would you read it? Sure. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would. took a joke and made it real, and now I want to write that. Please do <laughs> Hold it. On. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for I this. I think I'm just ready. Katie, when are you going to do a book? When am I going to do a book? Well... I've been trying to write my entire life, but I constantly have writer's blog, so I write like two sentences, and who knows, maybe in 50 years, I'll have enough two sentences to make something something real. So, just be on the lookout in the next half century. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would my fake book be on? I don't know, mine's about elves. Sick. I want to make them smooch. Oh my god, I'd read it. <laughs> I'd read it. <laughs> The book is just two pages. Yo, we got some elves. Next page. They smooched. The end. Buy my next one. <laughs> I think that's all anyone wants, really. Ryan, what, um, when's your book coming out, Ryan? Uh, my book is going to be out next month. It's about uh, navigating the world as a closeted non-binary individual while also being into garbage video games. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Talkingdetective.com. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> <laughs> it's your book was here all along. Can I read a real quick piece of trivia from Viva Vendetta that'll make us all smile and laugh maybe? Sure. <clears throat> I hope to hear it. When asked in an interview what he liked about his role, Stephen Fry replied, "Being beaten up. I hadn't been beaten up in a movie before." <laughs> <laughs> and I was very excited by the idea of being clubbed to death. God bless you, Stephen Fry. Nice. <laughs> Heavens to bless you, Stephen Fry. I am also excited about that idea. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Maybe we all just want to be clubbed to death. After watching this movie, ooh, slam dunk, ooh. swish. Put some basketball noise in here, Ryan. Swish, swish. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like how Ryan didn't contribute at all. At least I didn't hear it. We got some housekeeping. Uh, wanna... <laughs> that was the biggest internet middle finger I've ever heard. <laughs> I want to thank the people who shared the last episode, Brenna and Eli. Thank you all so much for retweeting. Thank you, Brenna and the Eli. Last episode. I love you. Uh, you can I love s- you, Eli. Thank you, Brenna. You can. S- <laughs> I like how you just reversed that. Yeah. You can send in questions <laughs> and comments at firesidefriendspodcast at gmail you can follow and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts. We're probably there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at 
podcast fireside. I opened up DMs over there, so if you want to send us some DMs, uh, don't like sext us, but like if you want to send in <laughs> questions, uh, you can feel do free so, to slide in. You can do so that way. Yeah. Uh, Alan, where can people find you on the internet? You can text me at twitter.com slash Alan Ibrahim oh, if you're a nice person and like preferably not in any way an asshole, but like, you know, within reason. <laughs> we all have our problems. At, at Alan Ibrahim, A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. I love all of you very much and you can find all of my lovely tweets there. I don't tweet a lot, but I'll follow you if you tweet at me. How about that? Wink. Love you. <laughs> oh Katie. Uh Katie is off the grid. Oh, yes. Still. Yeah. Ryan. I don't get signal in my tent. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Taco Detective. I have a blog that is tacodetective.com. Uh, and I also write for It's Mixed Actually. Well, I'm a contributor there. I don't actually like work for them for money, but sometimes I write there. And uh, I wrote a piece on Overwatch about uh, its accessibility and... Uh, some of the race race stuff race stuff <laughs> hey guys <laughs> race stuff <laughs> no i wrote about representation and how the ways it succeeds and fails at that so uh check it out and check out the rest of that site it's it's chill it's a good website a and a good site. article i recommend them yeah and i think that will be it for us uh so thank you everybody for listening good luck out there and don't forget to take care of yourself see ya this is great I know. I think this is our most... Oh, my God. (laughs)